Good morning. My name is Scott Jennings. I'm the pastor of marriage and family life here at The Bridge. Uh, I want to welcome you to The Bridge this morning. Glad to have you here. My bride, the fabulous Sherry, is down here on the front row, my cheerleader. Yeah, you give her more feedback and, and support her more. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, our hashtag for this series is uh, hashtag sex God's way. If you missed any of the previous messages, you want to go to uh, bridgechurch.cc and uh, check those out. Recent messages is where you'll find them. And the uh, sermon notes can be found by, uh, just email us at info at bridgechurch.cc. want to welcome our online audience this morning and say hello to you. I want to start today by just jumping right into the Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. And I like to start with the Bible because if I happen to fall down dead, you'd know that I was going to teach from the Bible and not some other kind of nonsense. So read along with me, Matthew 19. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went down to the region of Judea, east of the Jordan River. Large crowds followed him there, and he healed their sick. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Verse 4 says, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one, since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So before we move on, let me just say, in a crowd this size, there's going to be some people who are struggling with some aspects of what I'm going to share with you today. And uh, it's okay if that's you. It's okay if that's you. I want you to know that I and the bridge as a whole love you, and we are glad that you're here this morning. We are glad that you're here. That being said, what I'm going to say may be challenging to you. That's okay. That's okay. It's challenging to me too. As a church, the bridge tries very hard to make sure the only thing that's going to offend you, the only thing that's going to bother you when you step foot on one of our campuses is the Word of God. Honestly, the Word of God should be, until you're Jesus, which I I love you all, but none of you are, until you are like Him, ultimately we will one day ascend and be in heaven with Him, present with Him, and all of our sinful nature will be gone from us, and man, I long for that day sometimes. But the word should be offensive to some part of you. There should always be a part of you that you're working on and working to be more like the Lord and less like you. So hear what I say today. When I, when I share the word of the Lord today, I, I want you to not hear condemnation, but rather I want you to hear conviction, as a gentle father would speak to a child. Not me being the father, but God being the father and his word, okay? We want you to leave after the message today feeling empowered and encouraged. And if you need help, if you're struggling at the end of our service today, we're going to have some time up front here, and I would encourage you to come at the end. 
So as you may know, I've been asked to speak to single folks today. And if you're here and you're a single person, you might be saying to yourself, now wait a second, Scott's a married guy. He just introduced his wife. How is he going to speak to us as singles? Well, I'll just tell you. First, I was a single guy before I got married. And then at the age of 20, Sherry and I, I Sherry was 20 years old when we got married. <laughs> I was 20. So I, then I was married. And then we were married for about 14, 12 years, actually. We were married for about 12 years. We separated. Ultimately, we divorced. And then we, through God's ministry of reconciliation to us as individuals and as a couple, we remarried. So really, the only, the only uh, form of singleness I haven't personally experienced is being a widow or a widower. And I will tell you that just last week, uh, actually two weeks ago now, we celebrated the 22nd anniversary of my father's home going to heaven. And so I've been walking with my mother for 20-some years as she has faithfully walked out being a widow. And so I understand some of those challenges that you would face as well as a widow. So this is a message to singles, but not necessarily in the way some of you single folks may have hoped. I'm speaking today to all of you within the sound of my voice as individual people in relationship with Jesus. And if you're in relationship with Jesus, that means that you believe what he did. The Son of God came to earth in the form of a man. He bore the burden of our sin, past, present, and future, hung on a cross and died for us, was resurrected three days later, and ascended into heaven. Okay, so you, if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you believe those things. So I'm just making that assumption. So now let me just say, if you believe all that, you must admit that God is bigger than anything, anything you're facing. You and your temptations, your problems are not bigger than God. Amen. He can handle anything you've done, anything you're thinking about doing, anything. And simply put, because of what Jesus did, I believe that we should take what he says as truth. Sound, sound, does that make sense? Yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the way that you touch our lives intimately through it. Lord, as I share your word today, remove me as an obstacle. Empty me of me so that only you and your desire to lovingly challenge your people to greater obedience to you is heard. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so let's start with covering the basics about what God says about sex. Pastor Farrell talked about uh, specifically to the men and then specifically to the women, and then Jim Wall talked last week. And get, Was that message great last week from Jim Wall about God loving us and, and cradling us with his left hand? I love that. So, Let's look again at Matthew 19, uh, verses 1 through 6. In these verses, again, Jesus is responding to a question about marriage and divorce. And then I'm just going to read you to, I'm going to go to chapter, or verse 4 here. Haven't you read in the scriptures, Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning God made them male and female. 
And he said, this explains why a man, a, a man leaves his father and mother and is, and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So notice there, this is Jesus, and he's talking about marriage, and he's talking about sex. And he says, male, female, husband, wife. This is what Jesus said. This is the marriage that Jesus endorses. Not biblical marriage. Stop saying biblical marriage, please. Because when you say biblical marriage, you confuse people. There's many, many instances in the, in the Bible where marriage is mentioned and it's outside of God's plan for marriage. You start talking about polygamy, right, which is having multiple wives. So when you're speaking to people about marriage, they get conf- and they don't know the Bible, or maybe they're not even Christians, and you call it biblical marriage, they get confused. So when you talk to f- folks about marriage, God's way, sex, God's way, please refer, go right to Matthew 19 and what Jesus had to say about it, okay? Also notice that it's, it's written in Genesis 2, and then Jesus affirms in Matthew 19, there are not any other Eves for Adam to choose from. There aren't any other Adams for Eve to choose from. There aren't Adams for Adam, or Eves for Eves, or trees, or dogs. I mean, I wish I was making this up, but you've read it on the internet, I'm sure you have. People in, the, in Europe and other places are wanting to marry their horses and all this craziness. Okay? There is one man, one woman, who have no other option. Think about Adam and Eve and the way that God des- designed marriage, initially, the very first marriage. There's one man, there's one woman, and Adam and Eve have no option but to be monogamous. There's no option. That's, that is the way that God has designed marriage to be, and then Jesus affirms. So understand also that by affirming God's plan for marriage here, Jesus doesn't have to explain everything that isn't marriage or that is outside of God's plan. If he had to do that, Matthew 19 would be as long as the whole Bible, right? If he had to explain everything that's not God's design for marriage. So here's another way of looking at it. If I invite five women up onto the stage, and one of them is my wife, Sherry, I can do one of two things to point out to you who my wife is if you don't know who my wife is. I can either point right at Sherry and say, that's her, that's my wife. So then you understand that all the other women are not. Or I can point out, here are the four women that are not my wife, so then you understand who is. Does that make sense? So what Jesus is doing here is he's affirming the one right way. He doesn't have to go into all the other ways that are wrong because he's affirming the one way that God has designed it to be. Okay? So why is that important? Well, we're here to talk about sex and how it relates to the life of a single person. And I believe the best way to discuss what God has to say about sex as it relates to a single person is to talk about how he created it and in what context sex is designed by God to take place. So rather than talk about all the ways that we as human beings can engage in sexual activity in the wrong way, let's talk about how to do it right and why it's the right way. Okay, you with me? Okay, 
If you're taking notes today, and if you're not a note taker, just imagine this with me. I want you to imagine a box. Just draw a rectangle, okay? And imagine that inside this box is safety. Inside this box is is where you want to be, because outside the box is dangerous. Outside the box is dangerous. And if I tell my child that inside the box is safe and outside the box is dangerous, I'm not being a cruel father, I'm being a loving father, right? I'm telling him that staying inside these boundaries is the safe place to be. That's what a loving father does. And that's what God does for us. Inside is safe, outside is unsafe. In Matthew 19, Jesus says there are two types of people, man and woman. And then he said the man is the husband and the woman is the wife. And then after that, he talked about sex. Baby. Thank you, one person for getting that. Okay. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Inside the box, which is safe, which is man, woman, husband, wife. That's it. Inside there, and what God has designed for us, not because he's a killjoy, not because he doesn't want us to enjoy each other sexually, because he's a loving father, and he has designed those boundaries for our safety. Jesus says that sex is reserved for a husband and wife, and anything outside of this plan is sin and rebellion against God. Anything. I'm not just singling out singles who might be here and who may be struggling in this area. Maybe engaging, maybe they're seeing one thing that, that, uh, that I've, I've learned from speaking to younger folks, students, is that, you know, there's a tendency to want to get up Let's see how close we can get to the line without crossing it. No, no, that's not what we want to do. We want to stay away from the line, right? Okay, so maybe you're here and that's something you're struggling with. But I'm talking about anything that is outside of this box that God has designed for us. Husband, wife, man, woman is sinful. And it's rebellion against God. I'm talking about two people that are here today and they're hooking up. I'm talking about a man or a woman who's looking at pornography. I'm talking about same-sex relationships. I'm talking about the two people who are here today who are in an affair committing adultery. Anything outside of that box is not what God wants for us, what he designed for us. It's not what he knows is best for us. Anything outside of, think of it this way, anything outside of that box, husband, wife, man, woman, outside of that is detachment or isolation from God. Inside is devotion. And listen to me now. If you're going to tweet something, you probably didn't want to tweet this. It's impossible to pursue Jesus and sin at the same time. It's impossible to do that. As an aside, single folks, wouldn't it be just like the enemy to use a lust for sex to distract you from the ability to be undistracted from pursuing what it is that the Lord wants for you? If I was the enemy of your soul, that's exactly what I would do. Exactly what I would do. 
one of the most destructive forces at work in our churches is pornography. It's pornography. It's available now, in, it's, it's on a phone in your pocket instantaneously. It's everywhere. The temptation, it's crowding around you at all times. And it is an, an insidious plan by the enemy to destroy marriages, to destroy relationships, to destroy the church. And I'm just here to tell you, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here and I'm telling you that you're a bad person or that you're uh, you know, an outcast because you're struggling with pornography. I'm here to tell you that you are not alone. The man or the woman that's within the sound of my voice right now that is struggling with pornography and it's destroying relationships in your life, you are not alone. And we don't want you to be alone. We want you to have healing and wholeness and redemption. So please, 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 don't isolate yourself. Reach out and get help. So now that that's clear, God's design for sex, very clear. Husband, wife, man, woman, anything outside of that box is dangerous. Inside the box is within God's plan. Outside the box is isolation and it's distance from God. Now that that's clear, let me talk to you about what God has really put on my heart to talk to you about today when it comes to sex God's way. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 7, 17. And just a quick background, understand that when Paul was writing this letter to the church in Corinth, he was writing to a church that he had started years before, but that had since become divided. Much like many churches are today, and really much like our church can have a tendency to be, because we're humans, right? We have a tendency to want to categorize people, single, married, divorced, separated, with children, without children, Carolina fans, Duke fans, right? I'll even throw some state fans in there too. Okay, we have a tendency to want to categorize people. But see, Paul knows that wasn't what Jesus had in mind. He wants us unified in the fact that no matter what it is that we're struggling with, we all need him. We all need Jesus as the Lord of our lives. And that's why I said this message isn't just for singles, it's for all of us who want to work out what's in us that's keeping us from fully submitting to God and how that lack of submission is giving us results that we're unhappy with. I would also say many times we're unhappy with our circumstances, so we want to move on to what's next. The next boyfriend, the next job, the next marriage, the next church. But God is doing something in you in the now that ultimately is going to prepare you for what's next. If you don't focus on what God is, wants to work out in you in the now, you won't be prepared or be able to handle the next because you skipped over the now. Let's, let's stay in whatever it is that God is working out in us until he moves us to what's next because he's preparing us. And what we want, to, we, we're an instant gratification society. We want to move on to the next, okay, this isn't working out for me, I'm moving on. This relationship isn't working out, I'm moving on. You know what, I think I married the wrong person, I'm moving on. And we have to focus on what it is that God wants to do in us in the now, whatever that circumstance 
might be. God, listen to this, God is preparing you for what he's prepared for you. God is preparing you for what he's prepared for you, for what's coming. And you can tweet that out too, but make sure you give Stephen Furtick credit because he's the one that said it. Okay, back to 1 Corinthians uh, 7, 17. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Here's the point. So you're here today and you're single, married, divorced, separated, widowed. Maybe you're struggling financially. You're struggling with pornography. You're struggling with anger. And you're desperate, desperate for change. You're desperate for relief. You're desperate for an answer. I'm telling you that what, that what Paul says to live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them your circumstances don't matter. Not that they don't matter to us. Not that they don't matter to God. That's not what I'm saying. God's heart is breaking for you and your pain. No matter what it is that you're going through, though, the answer is the same. Walk with God Use his word as a mirror. Change in you what needs to change. Check out James 1, 22 through 25 in the message. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. So James is saying here that the Bible is to be used like a mirror, not a window or a lens to look at other people but a mirror to look at yourself. We are to look closely at ourselves through the filter of God's Word and not at others. If we don't use the Bible as is intended, which is to reveal in us that what our own iniquity, right? Psalm 139, God, show me what it is about me that needs to change. If we don't use the Bible as it's intended, we're minimizing our sin and maximizing others' sin. See, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, You turn to him when you're lost. You turn to him to guide you and to lead you in every situation. You may feel lost, but Jesus is Lord. You're asking yourself, okay, well, that's all great. What do I do? How do I handle this situation? How do I deal with this circumstance or or that consequence of my past behavior? I'm single and I'm lonely, Lord. I'm isolated from my husband. My wife is dishonoring me. I miss my husband who has died. I'm filled with regret over my past decisions. Listen to me. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. We are all dealing with something. All of us. Each one. Something that has us feeling 
half-filled or maybe half-empty. You may feel lost and not know what to do, but Jesus is the Lord. He's bigger than your circumstances. He's bigger than your difficulties. He's bigger than what it is that you're going through. Let go of your plans. Let go of your designs of how to resolve the situation or overcome the obstacle. Focus on what you can change about you. Submit to him as the Lord of your life. Not just your Savior. He's not just your ticket out of hell and ticket into heaven. Jesus is is your Lord and Savior. Many of us have him as our Savior, but then he's not the Lord of our life because our life doesn't look any different. Jesus is your Lord. And and, And that's not just, you know, do the right thing at all times. Because if we did the right thing at all times, guess what? We wouldn't need a Savior. It's also, Lord, I don't know what to do. I need to crawl up in your lap and cry for a while until you reveal in me what it is that I need to do next. So let me give you, for you list folks, let me give you three steps that will help you to take the steps to to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Not talking, again, not talking about getting saved, your salvation. I'm talking about the process of submitting your life to him as Lord, okay? So the first step is surrender. Surrender. Give up on trying to figure things out on your own and surrender to the lordship of Jesus. We all have situations we've been trying to figure out on our own, and it's just not working. It's just not working. You, you've got, you're holding on to whatever that thing might be. You're trying to get over uh, an addiction, or your relationship is not going how you want it to, or some, somebody is, you're harboring unforgiveness to someone, towards someone. You're holding on to that thing so tightly. Let me just ask you, how's that working out for you? How's that working out? I don't mean surrender. And if you're here and Jesus is not the Lord and Savior of your life, that's your first step. That's your first step. Submission and surrender to Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if you're here and you've taken that step already, but you're still wrestling with these things, you've got to take these things and surrender them. Let go of them. Give them to Jesus. The next step, study. Get into the Word of God and get it into your heart. The more time you spend in the Word of God, the more intimately you know Him. You get to, if you're here and you're married, or, or if, even if you're not, if you're here and you're just in relationship with other people, you have friends, you have a, of, uh, coworkers, you have even, you know, maybe extended family members. The way that you get to know those people and deepen your relationship is by what? talking to them, having conversations with them, meeting them for coffee, right? How do you think you get to know the Lord? The same way. Now, I'm not saying you're going to meet the Lord at Starbucks, but you might. You might. Spend time in His Word. Get to know Him. Listen, the more you know Him, the more you think about Him. And your thoughts determine your words, your words determine your actions, your actions determine your habits, your habits determine your character, 
and your character determines your legacy. It all starts with what you're thinking. And if you're spending time in his word, you'll be thinking more and more about God. Third step, submit. Now, this isn't a one and done. This is a continual process of submitting more and more of yourself and your heart so that you become more and more like Jesus. There's a story I heard one time of a, of a little boy, and he walked up on a sculptor that was, had a hammer and chisel, and he was sculpting granite, and he's chipping away at it. And like a little boy would, he asks the question, what are you making? What are you making? And the sculptor says, well, I'm making a lion. And like a little boy would, he says, well, that doesn't look like a lion. How are you going to make it a lion? And the sculptor says, I'm going to chip away everything that's not the lion. That's the process that we are to engage with as we make Jesus the Lord of our lives. He's chipping away everything that's not like him. Bit by bit, some chunks are big and painful. Some of them are a little smaller and refined. But we're continually to be in that process of surrendering, studying, and submitting more and more of our lives and our hearts to Jesus so that we can become more and more like the lion. You've heard Pastor Farrell say before that this, this process, this kind of a process, starts with discipline. Discipline. So in other words, you have to train yourself to do it. But as you do that more and more, it's, it starts as a di uh, discipline, but then it becomes a desire. You start to crave it. And trust me, there's nothing like learning to know God that will, there's nothing else that, that you'll crave more once you start doing that and being disciplined about it. And then it becomes a delight. It becomes a delight. You don't want to miss out on it. You, you look forward to it. You lay your head down on the pillow at night thinking, God, I can't wait to get up and get into your word tomorrow morning and have a cup of coffee. Amen. As Christians, we strive to be more and more independent from God. We have this tendency to think like if we're, if we're growing in the faith and we uh, are stronger in the faith, that we, we don't need to go to him as often. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If, if Jesus said that he needs more and more of his Father, I think we probably do too. We, we, need, to, we need to understand that we need to be fully dependent on God within churches and the Christian community, fully dependent on him for every decision that we make. And he is not bothered by your seemingly insignificant decisions that you bring to him. He loves that because he loves you. We are the bride and we are designed to be more and more submitted to our bridegroom, Jesus. More and more submitted. And there is power in submission. Power. Let me read for you. I don't, I don't have this slide, but let me just read Colossians 2, 6 through 7. My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You've received Christ Jesus, the Master. Now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it and let your living 
spill over into thanksgiving. See, if you think about, I'm kind of a word picture guy, so if you think about a cross, and you think about the cross on the hill, you think about the vertical part of the cross supporting the horizontal, you know, what happens to the horizontal part without the vertical to support it? It falls. It can't be where it's designed to be. And if you are not in that relationship with God where the vertical part of your life, your vertical relationship with Jesus is, and look, I'm not here to tell you whether or not it's where it needs to be. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I am not the Holy Spirit. But the more time that you spend in God's Word, the more you hear Him, the more clearly you hear Him, that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings conviction to you, not condemnation, and you understand, you learn to understand when that vertical part is maybe a little off kilter, and you need to make some adjustments. Or He's going to reveal to you an area in your life where it could be a little bit stronger. And when this relationship is strong and upright and firmly planted on the rock, then these relationships the people around you, within your sphere of influence, your coworkers, your friends, your husbands, your wives, your children, the people within your sphere of influence, they, you're able to have those relationships in the right position and in the right priority in your life because this relationship is right. I want to leave you today with a psalm. I'm going to ask Jared and Tommy to come out. Psalm 23 is often thought of as a psalm about death because it's read so often at funerals. But really, it's a psalm of life. It's a psalm of life. And as we consider the challenges that we all face in life, in all walks of life, single, married, separated, divorced, widowed, we, we, we think about the challenges we face to our purity, walking in purity, understanding that sex God's way is really what's best. As I read this psalm to you, I want you to remember that God is for you. God is for you. The God of the universe, he, he doesn't stand beside you or behind you. He goes before you. I mean, imagine, you know, I, I talked about that lion. Imagine the fiercest, most powerful lion you can think of going before you. He's, he's fighting for you. He's fighting for you. And, and it's a little scary. It's a little scary. He's not really a safe lion. But he is good. He is good, and He's fighting for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
For you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, that is blessed assurance. That no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're confused about, if you're a single person wondering if you're ever going to meet that one person, God is for you. The Lord is with you. If you're separated, if you're divorced, and you feel like you've got the big D on your forehead, I'm right there with you. I've been divorced, I know. God is for you. No matter what it is that you're struggling with and is separating, it's outside that box that you've experienced or are experiencing in your life, you can submit that. You can surrender that to God today. I'm going to ask the prayer team and any staff members to come, come up here to the altar. See, when Jesus is the Lord of your life, not just in word, but also in deed, like Paul wrote in Colossians 2, you allow him into the parts of your heart that are wounded and hurting. But as long as you keep those parts of your heart in the dark, the prince of darkness has control over them. You want to know how to have victory over your temptations. You want to know how to have victory over your struggles. Do the work. Spend the time. Get a prayer journal. Ask God to reveal the hidden and hurting parts of your heart. Talk to a prayer warrior like the ones at the altar here. Get the God-ordained resources you need. See a counselor. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life. Abundant life. Capital L life and have it to the full. Sex God's way really is the best way. And I'm asking you this morning, if there's part of your life that you need to submit, submit all of your life to him and experience the joy found in obedience and submission to God. I want you to take a step forward. Can everybody stand, please? There's no shame in admitting that you need God. What a crazy thing that we might think, wow, I'm not going to step up to the altar because then people know I need God. That's embarrassing. Really? That's crazy. That's a lie from the pit of hell too. I want to encourage you to take a step forward. If you are here and you're struggling with being single and feeling lonely, take a step. If you're struggling with lust and pornography, take a step forward. If you're committing adultery, if you're here and you're having an affair, take a step forward. Step into the light and do not let the enemy keep you hidden in the dark. I don't care who you are. We all have something, something that we need to deal with, that we need to let God deal with in us, something we need to surrender, study about, and then submit Join me at the altar today and submit that part of your heart to him and allow him to heal it.